0: From the Defense Acquisition University, this is the Learning Circle.
1: This is the Learning Circle. I'm Anthony Rotolo, and I'm joined today by a colleague, one of my colleagues here at DAU which is always an exciting prospect for me. I like to show off the resident talent here at DAU, and we have some considerable talent here. My guest is Mr. Shelton Jewett. He is a member of the User Experience Directorate, currently serving as the Learning Science Lead Instructional Systems Designer for Adaptive Learning. And that's about half of our topic today. He holds a master's degree in instructional technology and a bachelor's degree in computer information systems. Shelton's current interest in education is the disruption of the logic layer of asynchronous instructional learning objects. That's a mouthful, Shelton, so I'm going to have you break that down for us. But first, let me just give you a warm welcome. Thank you for being on the Learning Circle today.
0: Thank you, Anthony, for having me in the Learning Circle. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, really excited to have you. We've worked together for quite some time, I think a solid decade. And we've been through many episodes here at DAU. And right now is a very exciting, this is probably one of the more momentous moments at DAU. We're in the midst of a transformation. The whole industry is really catching up to many things that technology is making possible. So When I alluded earlier to how adaptive learning will be about half our topic today, the other part of it is artificial intelligence. All we hear about is AI. AI is something that's a theme running through many industries as we learn how to apply it to various things. But in the context of learning, AI, I I believe it's fair to say it makes adaptive learning possible. But let's begin at the beginning. I want to kind of define terms, and I want to begin with that phrase I mentioned a moment ago. Shelton, what do you mean when you talk about the disruption of the logic layer of asynchronous instructional
0: learning objects? Thank you, Anthony, for the opportunity to answer that. Yeah, that's that's a little um, statement I've been using for quite a while. For some 20 years, that I've been um, in the instructional technology and instructional information systems industry. By disruption of the logic layer of asynchronous instructional learning objects, first of all, by asynchronous, I'm referring to learning that students are allowed to do self-paced. And that's usually in an online environment. And when I look at learning objects, I generally see them in layers. So imagine if you could three layers, one overlapping the other. At the innermost layer, I see core content, the actual data, the subject matter of a course. And then on the topmost layer is the presentation layer that the users actually see they interface with when they're taking a course. But that layer in the middle, I call the logic layer. And that layer generally controls what order the student will experience the course. And that's where I like to use um, and focus my skills. Uh, It allows me to bring together my instructional design skills as well as my computer science skills. So with this three-layer picture of instructional design, the logic layer is the layer that attracts me to adaptive learning. It's where you actually get to control and have some impact on the flow of content and the learning experience that students will have when they're going through courses. That logic layer
1: is very sequential, I think you're describing, right?
0: Yes. In the typical course, it is sequential. Um, And in most cases, you'll see the uh, courses designed for asynchronous will either be you have to go through it one lesson at a time, or there's the rare occasion that the developers will allow you to choose any path that you'd like. You could start it in any lesson and go through the course without any order at all.
1: So I think this leads us then to this idea of AI-powered adaptive, we might say. I think we actually, we first have to differentiate the two. So Shelton, what is adaptive learning and what is then AI-powered adaptive learning?
0: Yes, it is important when we're discussing AI-powered adaptive learning that we first talk about adaptive learning. And in a nutshell, adaptive learning is simply personalized learning, Or learning that has been tailored to a particular individual. And that's usually based on some kind of sensor, like a score or perhaps a career field.
1: Yeah, you're trying to aim at the level that the student is at, I think, is what I understand about adaptive
0: learning. Yes, indeed. Yes.
1: So I think we're going to have to work at bringing these two definitions together, but to sort of see it, what are the features of adaptive learning?
0: All right. So when we talk about adaptive learning, in general, we're talking about personalized learning or learning that has been tailored to a particular individual or group based on some sensor like a score or something like that. And the features of an adaptive course um, when we get into, you know, learning design, um, basically you want to think of things like micro chunking, Um, you want to think about testing out, you know, giving students the ability to test out of Topics that they have mastered already. Um, you talk about, you know, motivation and learner control. You know, giving students the the opportunity to control if they rather read content or watch content or actually go straight to practice and in, in, in assessment. Um, so, there, in giving them choices and pathways, for instance, um, students may have an opportunity to take a pretest to try out to try to test out of some lessons, or some students may prefer to, just to go straight to the full course um, for a full learning experience. And so generally, adaptive learning is situated um, in, in a relevant context specific to that particular student or a group of students. And that, that's pretty much adaptive learning in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, you, you know, it strikes me that what you're really talking about is the fulfillment of adult learning theory. Mm-hmm. It's contextual, it's relevant. An adult wants to know what's in it for them, why it matters, and then you know, just the the whole idea of autonomy, tailoring it to them. If we even offer the extreme case of—it's uh, not really extreme, it's just really a provision that if they know this material and they have mastery, why are we going to make them learn it again? They can test out of it. So I, I just love how what you're describing is very much A fulfillment of what we hear in school when we're learning all about instructional system design is adult learning theory. Would you agree
0: with that? Yes, indeed.
1: And I think one of the strong preferences for adults is to have control, to be in the driver's seat, what you described as learner control, down to what mode they want to be in. I know when I'm learning naturally, like, When I'm not really, a lot of us, we're learning every day. We have to figure out maybe how to fix something in the house. And we either read an article online or we look up a video, all this kind of modality stuff. And then the ability to do and practice. I just wonder if you could draw that out that idea of how adaptive sort of supports that learner control and and all those different modes a learner might take.
0: Certainly. Let's say you had a block of content um, that you wanted students to um, to master. Um, Well, you know, typically students would read that content. That's the typical way that we display content nowadays is we we give them text based content. Well, we know for sure um, through research that some students learn better through video. Or And some may learn better by actually practicing, by jumping in and doing it. You know, it's the YouTube environment. Just give me the the, the video and I'll go ahead and do it. So when students have the option, they can choose and they're not forced down one path or the other, but they can choose the method that's best for them. Then you create more motivated learners and more effective um, results from that learning.
1: You know, motivation is very important, too. I think we all know the difference between sort of having the figurative—it's a terrible expression—but having the figurative gun to ourselves, you know, we have to do something. It's a bit of a shotgun marriage with this training. We, we were doing it because we have to do it. That is very different than just having a want to, where you're drawn along and pulled along. I wonder if you can speak to that idea of motivation.
0: So when we speak of motivation, uh, with adaptive learning, um, quite quite recently, we did some research here at DAU um, where we ran a few pilots. And in one of those pilot courses, we gave the students an opportunity to self-reflect on their ability to answer a question correctly or not. And with the ability to self-reflect and the idea of having learner control where they had opportunities to choose if they wanted to do media-based content or... Um, text-based content, along with the ability to test out, um, we noticed as we compared the pilots that students did show a higher sense of motivation, a higher perception of motivation as they proceeded through courses that had these adaptive features.
1: So mode matters, really. Offering the choices makes a difference.
0: Yes, it does. And we were able to prove that out in the several pilots that we ran here at DAU. Oh, that's very, very interesting.
1: Did that introduce the AI part of it at that point, or was it just simply the design of the course at that point of testing that choice of modality?
0: In this particular instance, um, the course that I'm referring to was one of the courses that did not contain any AI-powered adaptive features. It was strictly an organic effort for adaptive learning.
1: Yeah, so just the design itself already was helping the student with motivation because they had choices. Yes, indeed. Okay. So we've talked a bit about the features, kind of harkening back in, in an earlier incarnation when I was in investment sales. I learned a lot about the difference between selling features and benefits. You know, the features are, you know, what a product has. And a lot of customers can say, okay, well, who cares? It's the benefits that they care about. That's the story of how it benefits people, how it changes their lives. So now that we kind of know what the stuff of adaptive learning is, what are the benefits of adding AI to adaptive?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question, Anthony. And there's several very prominent benefits to using AI-powered adaptive learning. Um, One of those being um, focused engagement. You know, a lot of times with asynchronous learning, um, students may experience courses um, and course content in a very passive situation. But with an AI-powered adaptive course, the AI will allow students to experience a more rigorous involvement with the content because they're trying to achieve a certain level of mastery. So that's one. Another one is scalability. Um, And and that's probably one of the biggest ones because just imagine um, if you develop a rules-based course um, with all the adaptive features, And you set all the conditions for branching and which lessons to go to and all those things. Just imagine if you have a large library of courses, um, the effort it would take to program that for each of those courses. So what AI does is allows us to use um, very complex algorithms to do adaptive learning that makes the learning much more scalable. So along with that, also along with the folks' engagement, I'll go back to that one also, We have this concept in in my field called the zone of proximal development. And what that says is students are almost proximately mastering their subject, but not quite. And so for a particular zone, they need scaffolding, they need support, they need coaching, they need mentoring um, before they're able to go out and do it on their own. And AI-powered adaptive features, those kinds of technologies will allow those kinds of auto-scaffolding techniques to be done for the learner um, automatically.
1: Now, just define scaffolding a little bit more just by itself, because scaffolding by itself is a concept in instructional design, because this, this is a, a bit to unpack.
0: What scaffolding is, is a support system for students while they're studying the content. It could be issued in terms of um, just hyperlinks to additional content. It could be a mentor or coach that pops in to give some clarity to a segment of content, or it could be a virtual assistant that helps and guides the student through a course. So those kinds of resources that are available to the student to help them um, get through the lessons or even the the, um, assessments as well.
1: It's the difference between feeling like you're on your own and having something to reach out to help you either answer a question or or to learn the subject more again hence the the links the maybe an agent or something to help you through the training
0: that's exactly right yes it is
1: so how then does this idea of zone of proximal development attach to the scaffolding concept
0: So when it comes to this zone of proximal development, and in the industry, we we usually call it ZPD for short. um, It's basically scaffolding, as we described earlier, um, and what the AI is able to do is able to give us this scaffolding automatically. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're going through a lesson um, in an asynchronous course online, and you're reading through the screens um, where there are some technologies out there that can monitor your behavior within that lesson. And if they monitor your behavior in a way such that it says, well, wow, Shelton's really not understanding what's on these screens, then it would automatically pop up some remediation content for me. Um, And all of these kinds of things happen in the background without any triggers from the user. It is in essence, the artificial intelligence running in the background that can tell the student or that will notify the student um, that they need some support with the content they're seeing.
1: Yeah, it's tracking what you're strong on, what you're weak on, and where there are weaknesses. It's providing the scaffolding. It's providing the resource, the refresher, the remediation. Yes. All right. So I think we've been defining things pretty well. What are some examples of what AI brings to adaptive learning?
0: Okay, what does AI bring to adaptive learning? Well, one thing it brings, and I believe we've talked about this before, is scalability. The ability to use complex algorithms instead of rule-based processing allows us to scale up adaptive learning much more readily than trying to um, program it by rules-based activities. Also, learner experience tracking. Um, one thing AI is able to do, um, we found solutions out there where um Developers and vendors have developed behavior pattern monitoring systems and that that monitor students' behavior inside of a lesson in real time, and it's able to adjust content based on the behavior of students within a course. We've also talked about um, virtual coaching and memory boosters and you know remediation technologies that these AI technologies are able to bring that support another instructional design ed psychology um, term we call the Ebbinghaus Forgetting Curve. And that pr- pretty much says that, you know, students need to be reminded of content over certain periods of time, lest they forget it. And those kinds of coaching activities and memory boosters and remediation technologies all support that Evan House Forgetting Curve. And then we also have um, some natural language processing AI that can assist us not only with you know, the courses that students are actually going through in real time, but it can also help support us in designing courses up front, you know, trying to set up the traceability of, you know, learning objectives to content to assessments. We know that there are technologies out there, natural language processing technologies that allows us to take competencies, objectives, assessments, and highlight the traceability and find gaps to help us with the design of courses. And then one feature that I think really is very prominent and that will serve well in the industry is content mastery. You know, AI technologies that are able to dial up content or dial down content um, based on a learner's performance. And all of these things happen in the background um, without a student being, you know, readily aware of what's happening because they would be given content and based on their performance, the, the next screen may be a high level content Or a lower level content, so that dial up and dial down of content mastery is one of those examples of what AI can bring to adaptive learning.
1: Yeah, and that seems to be the ultimate goal: is that it's kind of locking on to the student, and it's just constantly monitoring and adjusting and tailoring so that uh, you know, just like we would, uh, you know, uh, if you were speaking to someone and you realize that you are kind of aiming above their head so to speak or mm-hmm. and also you don't want to be aiming below their feet where it's too remedial you want to reach them where they are and bring them up and then then if you're going too fast you kind of slow things down hence the scaffolding and the other things that you were describing you mentioned a few things in there i just want to kind of draw out a little bit more this idea of scalability that we touched on a couple of times yes, and how it's easier than the programmed logic, is this the idea that as we have kind of like a database of assets, it's almost like auto curation? Is it that we don't have to deliberately in advance design these connections or branches or some other form of providing those alternative pieces? Is it just connecting the student with other resources, like a referral engine? Like I'm thinking about how Amazon.com, out of all the millions of things that are on that website— as it begins to learn about your behavior and sees what you click on, what you show interest in, it begins to refer other things to you.
0: Is that what you're describing? This happens a lot. That is machine learning. That's out of the scope of what we've done with on the AI-AL team.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to understand the scalability better. We touched on it a couple of times. And honestly, I'm a little fuzzy on it. I wonder if our listeners understand a concrete example. Have you done something specific with it in your piloting so far that you could explain to us?
0: Certainly. There's several ways to look at scalability. And I'll, I'll just look at one, one example here. Um, let's say you had a course that you wanted to offer credential. And perhaps you wanted to offer that credential as you know a novice user or a journeyman user or an expert master of that particular content. Well, currently and and in the past we would create three separate courses to do that. You know, three separate resources, three separate timelines, three separate budgets, and everything to get those three courses out there. But with some AI powered adaptive learning technologies, um, we could create one course and replicate that course three times, one for novice, one for journeyman, one for expert. And what would be different would be the dial up, the level of mastery that's required for that particular level. So one course, three levels of mastery to get through it. And so we're talking major learning efficiencies here.
1: Okay. I understand that a little bit better. So instead of doing three different things, remedial, journeyman expert you've got this one course, all this potential content that runs that whole gradation from basic to advanced so really what you're saying it's all there and from student to student to student they could be getting very different experiences depending on what the AI serves up to them.
0: Yes, that's exactly right That's where the tailoring and the personalization of adaptive learning kicks in and the AI allows it to scale across three courses.
1: Okay. So let me ask you this. So on that forgetting curve piece that you talked about, I love this concept. It's come up in other interviews I've done. You mentioned micro chunking. I've had conversations about micro learning Mm -hmm. with some other experts on that subject. Are you speaking to things that happen? Like if we're still thinking of training as an event, are these post-event things? What does that look like in terms of battling the forgetting curve?
0: That's a really good question, Anthony, and I'm glad you made that distinction there. And when I talk about the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve, I'm specifically talking about the learning environment, not post-training environment. Um, That would require a different set of processes. But no, I'm, I'm referring to the ability of students to do better within the learning environment itself.
1: Okay so what would that look like if you could provide an example
0: Yes um I mentioned earlier um some things like memory boosters or remediation content um there may be situations where you know you've passed lesson 1 and you're in lesson 2 And an AI might say, well, hey, let me um, shoot Shelton a question from lesson one just to make sure he still understands the concepts from it. Yeah, And the AI would trigger that automatically.
1: Okay. So just that forced recall within the training is what you're referring to.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay. And
1: that's the AI knowing that, hey, we need to reinforce this concept. So, okay. Yes. Very interesting work. So, Tell us about the program a little bit. What is it like? Where are you at? How long has this been going on? What stage of progress overall are you in? And what is the end goal for us at DAU right now?
0: Well, that's a good question, Anthony. Our end goal is really to support the DAU transformation. Um, We want to make sure that we provide alternatives for that transformation Um, As I mentioned before, we're at uh, a transition stage right now. If if we look at this in phases, um, we've pretty much completed phase one, where we ran several pilots um, to try out different solutions for AI and AI-powered adaptive learning. We learned quite a bit. We learned that students prefer adaptive learning over typical courses. And we also learned that students prefer AI-powered adaptive learning over typical courses and regular adaptive learning. And so our mission has been to not try to replace all of DAU learning assets with AI-powered adaptive learning, but in essence to find the sweet spot in which to implement some AI technologies.
1: Yeah, so we're testing before we're investing.
0: That's exactly right yes which is wise that's right exactly yeah it's right. it's
1: very easy to fall in love with technology which has a price tag to it so i think it's reassuring to us that before we unleash this en masse, that the students want and respond to it so i'm glad that's working out well is there a, a like a horizon for this particular i don't know if you're in a phase or if this program ends soon where are you at overall
0: All right. So, yes, we have completed our phase one. If I look at this in phases um, where we had several pilots um, with several different AI powered solutions and our next phase, we've been approved to start our next phase in which we're going to try to operationalize some of the findings um, that resulted from the pilots. Um, So we're moving along in this program and we're now trying to get it in the hands of those who actually need to use it to do some more testing.
1: So it's getting real. It's actually going to work its way into products that students will be using. Yes, and
0: that is the the ultimate goal.
1: Outstanding. So, in your opinion, how are we tracking with the industry? You know, this our industry is very kind of you know we're very there's lots of uh, jargon and lots of exciting new terminology. But we're kind of conservative, actually, as an industry. We tend to lag a little bit in terms of implementation. How is DAU tracking with all this exciting new stuff that we're playing with? Are we keeping up with the industry? What do we look like, in your opinion?
0: Well, that's quite interesting. And and I'm glad you said in my opinion. I'll give you my opinion of this. We've been working on this effort, this AI adaptive learning effort for over a year and a half now. And so we've seen a lot. And one of the things that we are learning is that, you know, what GAU wants to do with AI and AI-powered adaptive learning, we're finding that the the industry may not have reached maturity yet. We're finding, I I remember we were told in in one of our first conferences um, about a year and a half ago that the industry was immature and that we should expect that, you know, the technologies and the, the applications would change. Over the next twelve to eighteen months, and that's pretty much where we find ourselves now. You know, twelve or eighteen months down the road, and we see that the industry is is um, definitely has not reached maturity in in the AI adaptive learning field.
1: That's good. So we're going about as fast as we can safely go, given where the marketplace is at.
0: That's a good way to categorize it. Yes. Yeah,
1: which is good, especially you know we are government; we're not private industry, so. I think there's a cautionary element where we don't want to be too speculative in the things that we invest in. We want to see what shakes out in the marketplace, what is becoming tried and true, and something to be adopted. And yet we don't want to be such laggards that we're falling behind the real world. So that's actually very encouraging. It sounds like we're going as fast as we should.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, Anthony. I think DAU is in a good position to take advantage of the new AI and adaptive technologies. Um, Considering the transition that it's going through right now, I think we're in good shape to take advantage of the technologies that are available to us. So
1: good things to come. We're going to be seeing this start to get introduced into real products. So it's really becoming real. And this is really fascinating. I hope to have you back. Maybe we can get an update from you sometime, Shelton but I want to thank you for your time. This has been very illuminating. This program's been going on for some time. You and some other of my colleagues have disappeared to this project from my perspective, so it's great to have you kind of pop up and give a report for those of us who've known it's going on, and it's exciting to hear these results.
0: Well, Anthony, thank you for having me in the Learning Circle. Um, Your reputation precedes you, and it's been a really good experience working with you. I, I really am grateful for it.
1: Oh, well, this has been a terrific conversation, Shelton. Keep up the great work, and we'll look forward to more to come. Thank you again. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. To catch up on all of our shows, subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Learning Circle is produced and distributed by the Defense Acquisition University.